Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I felt that I need to release this word that the Lord has put on my heart, prophetic word at the beginning of the year. Everybody say the hour is at hand. And uh, if we'd have waited, it had been several weeks before I could do this, so we just feel the urgency of it. And um, I want to talk to you today about what I feel the Lord is speaking, not only to uh, the church at large, but to this church. Come on, Fresh Start Revivalists. To this revival, the hour is at hand. And I want to talk about the travail of the soul. Now, for the sisters that were at Sisters, let me hear you. Right? Um, there's more to it than what I did on that Saturday, but I'm going to bring that in at the end. But um, And y'all going to shout me down, right, sisters? But I knew when I released that a, a couple weeks ago that uh, the Lord was going to have me release it to the larger. And so this is for the brothers and the sisters today. Come on, amen. And so this is what I feel the Lord is saying, that the hour is at hand. Matthew 26, 44 through 45, and then I'll let you be seated. And he left them again. Jesus left them again. And he went away and he prayed a third time. And saying, saying the same thing once more. Saying the same thing once more. And then he came to the disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of the sinners. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will cause this to grip the hearts of everyone in this building, those who are watching and will be watching online, as it has gripped me, O oh Lord. And I pray, Holy Ghost, take over my voice. Let everything that is heard, let it be heard. Lord, I pray that you not only speak to me, but you speak through me, O oh God. And not only do you speak to the revivalists in this room, but you speak through them, O oh Lord. And let our voices be laced, O oh Lord, with your glory. Your, let it echo, Lord God. Let it, let it resonate with the glory from your realm, O oh God. And even as we receive this word today, we just decree and declare, Lord, we will act on it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in the house of the Lord. Thank you, guys. Behold, the hour is at hand. Can we scream it one more time? The hour is at hand. And as I was doing some research and some reading and just, you know, gathering of thoughts and commentaries and stuff, I came across this phrase. I wish I could say that it was mine, but it's not. And I'm going to be saying it a lot during the message today. <clears throat> but when I read this phrase, it literally gripped me. And it even just, um, and I know I'm using that word gripped a lot. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, I know it's not uh, uh, that uh, maybe intellectual and uh, maybe even seems spiritual to you, but it is spiritual. When we're gripped with something, we're all consumed with it. When we're gripped by something, come on, it has our full attention. When we're gripped, I mean, what, come on, come on. Does Jesus have your full attention today? What has our full attention today? And so anyway, this phrase just gripped me. It just, it just leapt off the page to me as I read the words of Jesus again, as he came back to the disciples and he said, all right, and in my words, well, never mind, guys, are you still sleeping and resting? Because behold, the hour is at hand. And then this commentator said, all of history hinged on this hour. All of history hinged on this hour. Jesus said, behold, the hour is at hand. All of history hinged on this hour. It was 
the fulcrum, I am saying, everything after this hour, after this moment, would turn and pivot on this particular hour that Jesus was referring to. Behold, the hour is at hand. It was a daunting moment, even to Jesus. We know this because Jesus asked the Father in the times that he went back to pray in travail, he said, Father, it was a daunting moment. It was overwhelming to Jesus. Did you hear that? It was overwhelming to even Jesus. I mean, you know, Jesus was all God, but Jesus was all man. And we see a perfect picture of it here in Gethsemane of the humanity of Christ crying out, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It was a daunting moment. It was an overwhelming moment. It was a, it was a pressing moment for Jesus. If I could just go on for a moment to tell you what I know you already know, but sometimes we become so familiar and so accustomed to hearing things that we forget, especially when we're thinking about Jesus encountering something like this, that we really, we really Really don't we're really not uh, understanding the magnitude of the moment and the magnitude of the hour and Jesus felt so much of the crushing and he felt so much of the pressing about this hour that he literally literally cried out to his father if it be your will can this pass from me that came out of Jesus mouth that came out of his emotions shout if you're with me this morning it came out I said it came out of his emotions are you with me it came came out of the emotions of Jesus. So the next time that you think that Jesus was not emotional and that God is not emotional, so I don't have to be emotional, you need to read your Bible again because our God is a very emotional God. And Jesus modeled this for us in more than several ways. And this is one moment in a moment of gripping prayer, in a daunting moment, an overwhelming moment. Jesus cried out in Gethsemane, Lord, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want, Father. It was the fulcrum this hour, this moment was. It was a daunting moment, but it was also a defining moment. All of history would look back to this hour. Everything in history would point back to the hour that was at hand, to the moment in Gethsemane. And every, every point in history would then draw its definition and its fulfillment at this moment in history. In this hour, in this hour, we look back and we say, look what Christ did. Look what Christ did. Look what Christ didn't do. Every Everything at this really important, powerful, pivoting hour pointed. History looks back. Can I ask us today, in this hour that I believe that we are in now, and I will explain that in a moment, will people in history be able to look back to this hour in 2022 and everything that follows from January forward into the, 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 the seasons of time? that are coming can they look back to a church in even yes just the United States of America and say that we are drawing our definition and our fulfillment from that hour because there was a people that went to Gethsemane and said father not my will but your will be done
It was an hour of extreme desire of Jesus to do the will of the Father. I have an extreme desire to do the will of the Father. Uh, the will of the Father. Sometimes we do our will and we name it the will of the Father. Sometimes we put our ambition out and we call it the will of the Father. We shroud so many things in spiritual language and church ease talk. But God is saying, if I can just get you to Gethsemane, you will really understand what my will is. My will, oh, it doesn't look like an earthly realm. My will looks like a realm that if you're not familiar with it, you will tack my will onto something in this earthly realm. But God says, if I can lift you up just a little bit higher and get you to pass through Gethsemane, then you will be able to cry out, not what I want, but what you want, Father. No matter what I have to go through, no matter, the, the, no matter if the attention is taken off of me, no matter, oh God, if it doesn't fulfill exactly what I think it should look like, not my will, but your will be done, Gethsemane. That's Gethsemane talk, everybody. And Jesus in this moment had, of, 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 it was a moment of extreme desire to do the will of the Father. So Jesus accepted the responsibility and he worked it out in this garden of birthing. Hallelujah. I'll try that again. Jesus accepted this responsibility of the will of the Father. I said he accepted the responsibility of the will of the Father, no matter how daunting it was. But Jesus is showing us something when there is an hour that is at hand. He says, you cannot miss Gethsemane. Because he worked out the will of the Father in Gethsemane even before he physically went to perform the will of the Father. The hour is at hand. Fresh start. Church in America, the hour is at hand. 2022. Luke 22, 44. And being in agony. Can you read that with me? And being in yeah, I want you to say it out loud because I want you to feel it like I feel it this morning. And being in agony, keep going, he was praying very fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Gethsemane, Gethsemane, the hour is at hand. Jesus said to his sleepy, resting disciples, the hour is at hand. Meaning that the time and the pivot and the fullness and the fulfillment of the will of the Father is here. This phrase, the hour is at hand, refers to an announcement of an ending, but it also is referring to a beginning into the next facet of kingdom purpose. A journey that had been well accomplished of Jesus in his three years on earth had brought Jesus to, to uh, three years in ministry on the earth had brought Jesus to this hour that would result in God's eternal purpose. So Jesus announces to a sleepy following and I keep saying that on purpose somebody. 
He announces to a sleepy following, the hour is at hand. You see, even Jesus didn't back off. Even when he saw in his most lonely, loneliest hour, in his hour of most of the most crushing and the, and the pressing of his life and ministry on earth, he looked out to those who he had poured himself into and they were sleeping and they were resting. But you hear me now, everyone that thinks you have to talk palatable and non-confrontational, Jesus looked at them and very boldly he said, are you still sleeping and resting? I've told you three times, get up, the hour's at hand. It was a gripping statement because what lay ahead of Jesus was a road of pain before he would actually birth the purpose of the Father. A few weeks ago in my message, Prepared Ones, I said concerning 2022 that I believe and I still do that this year, 2022, is a quote for such a time as this moment. It is a this moment. Come on. The hour has come. Our current spiritual and natural indicators in our, in our nation are pointing into the nations, are pointing to the reality that we are moving into an hour that history hinges on. A pivot time, a fullness, and even a fulfillment of some of the things that God has been holding for such a time as this. And be assured now, when I'm not, I'm not saying this, that something needs to be added to the cross and the finished work of Jesus Christ and the cross. But what, however, I do use this history changing event of the Garden of Gethsemane as a measure of the movement of the times and seasons of God for which he demands our urgency of soul and spirit. I said our urgency of soul and spirit. So I hear an echo from heaven's halls saying to us here at Fresh Start Revival, the hour is at hand. To the church in this nation, the hour is at hand. Are you still sleepy? Are you still resting? Jesus said the hour is at hand. I say in this nation, the hour is at hand. And everything following will turn and pivot, church, on this hour. Every moment matters with God. But there are moments that he uses that mark everything that follows that moment. Moment, and I believe that this year is that moment. Can we allow that to grip us today? Will we say and do as Jesus, not my will, but your will be done, oh God? Because the Lord God has no other entity or no other people in the earth that he can count on to discern and obey his promptings in these crucial moments. Just as Jesus in Gethsemane implored his followers to tarry with him, the same is true today. Jesus said, tarry with me and birth with me because Gethsemane was a travailing place. It was a birthing place. And the same is true today. The Father is looking down. Jesus himself is looking down and said, can I get anybody in the church to quit branding and start birthing? To quit branding and stop birthing? To kill their selfish ambition and start getting in some agony on behalf of the will of the Father? 
Jesus desired that this hour and this moment be shared with his closest disciples, but they were found sleeping and resting at the hour that history hinged on. I'm going to say that again. They were found sleeping and resting at the hour that history hinged on. You hear what I'm about to say? Beware, aware that at crucial hours of history, the enemy, our flesh, our carnal mindsets will give extreme temptation to just sleep on, just rest on the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes. We're busy, but are we really doing anything? Come on. Are we really doing anything? Just accomplishing a bunch of stuff that in the end really does not matter. There's a call to the American church that is right now crying out, are you still sleeping and are you resting? Oh, you're very busy, but you're sleeping and resting. And God is calling us in this hour to a place of agony, a place of anguish, a place that where it doesn't look pretty and snot is everywhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is calling us to put aside our prettiness and put aside our comfortableness. And he's saying, will anybody get to Gethsemane so I can deposit the will of the Father? Proverbs 24, 30 through 34, one day I passed by the field of a lazy man. Lazy man. And I noticed the vineyards of a slacker. I observed nothing but thorns, weeds, and broken down walls. Thorns are hardships and persecutions as a result of sin. Weeds represent people of the evil one. Broken down walls represent lack of protection. All of these are the result of laziness, apathy, half-heartedness. It's a result of sleeping and resting. Oh, you're doing a lot. This quote from a commentary, it is extremely difficult to bring revival to slothful people. <laughs> Devoid of the understanding, unless their passive will can be engaged to agree with God and take responsibility for themselves. It's time to be alert. It's time to be awake. It's time to be about the Father's business. It's time to go to Gethsemane. It's time to spend some time in anguish and in agony. It's time to birth, not brand, my God. If some of you don't understand what I mean by branding, and I know you're all smart people and everything, and I don't really have this in my notes, but bless God, I am going to say it. We have a wonderful thing in media in the day and age of the church that we live in, and we're so blessed. We're so blessed. We're so blessed with so many things in technology and so many things at our fingertips in these days that we live in. But can me tell you what? It grips, it, grips, it, it grips a person with the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes. To where it's not just a mere tool. We skip over that 
And what we have trained people in the body of Christ is if I market it good enough. Am I right? If I market it good enough, if I brand it good enough, then all these people are going to buy it. All these people are going to come. All these people. And you know what? It may even, it may even sound good. It may even have some good stuff to say or to whatever in it. But has it been burst? Has it been burst? Has it been burst? Because something that is burst, hear me now, doesn't come from here, but it comes from here. I'm going to say it to you, amen, like you should be this morning. Something that has been birthed doesn't come from here. It comes from here. Something that comes from here, all you have to do is figure it out in a boardroom. But something that comes from here, my friend, you have to go to the birthing room. And the birthing room is a lonely place. It is a messy place. Are you hearing me? You are there and you have one choice. I've got to birth this baby. I can't stop now. I can't say no. But if you're sitting in a boardroom and it didn't work out, oh, well, we'll go to plan B. God says there is no plan B. It's my will, not yours. Come on and shout in this room. God is raising up a company of birthers in this place. The cross, the stripping of the authority of Satan, the resurrection, the ascension. For three days he was in the grave before all of that. Everything that followed those things was birthed in Gethsemane. He felt them. He encountered them. Are you with me? He felt them deeply. This is why he, he, his sweat was as drops of blood. Physically, he was feeling it. I ask us today, and I include myself in this, when was the last time that you physically felt your intercession? Everything that followed the, the, the stripping of, of Satan of his authority, uh, the keys of death, hell, and the grave, everything after the cross, it was birthed in Gethsemane, not in the manger, not in, one of, in the temple, not at the Last Supper. It was birthed in the garden. You cannot skip the garden, my friend. Revival family, we cannot skip the garden of Gethsemane. Everything began to turn in the garden of Gethsemane. That's why Jesus, I believe, gave them three chances. Come on, somebody. He said, oh, I'm going to go back. Hopefully they'll get it this time. Oh, they didn't get it that time. I'm going to go back. Hopefully they'll get it. Jesus knew that this was a pivoting moment, a pivotal moment. It was a birthing moment, the place of birthing and travail. This, my revival friends, is why the devil fights you so hard in your prayer life. This is why we have taken seven, eight, nine years to preach on prayer. And we have had people walk out of these doors and never come back because they didn't want to be pressed in the place of prayer. You go ahead and walk out, but I'm telling you, someday Jesus will give you one more chance to get back to Gethsemane. I'm telling you, are you still sleepy and resting?
We can find time to do absolutely everything else, but we cannot find time to pray. We can find time to hang out. We can find time on Facebook. We can find time on on social media. We can find time to go with the girlfriend and the boyfriend and the hubby and the wife doing this, that, and the other. We can shop till we drop. We can golf till we're blue in the face and our legs are sore, but we cannot tarry one hour. Don't you give me your lame excuse. You hear me now. Jesus is saying if you are a revivalist, you must go to Gethsemane. We get up early to make our flights. We get up early to go to work. We get up early because we want to do this and we want to do that. We want to jog. We want to run. We want to work out. We want to lift the weights. We want to, I don't know, whatever the world Americans do. But we cannot get up early to pray. You can try to bypass Gethsemane, but you will be in your own will, my friend not the will of the Father. Because the will of the Father comes and is birthed in a place called Gethsemane. Pastor, that sermon that you got off the internet for this morning. <clears throat> it may have been good. It may have gone over good because your people may be that much capacity. You hear me now? It may be good, but you didn't birth that. You didn't birth it. You didn't birth it. It's coming from here and not here. And the byproduct is, pastors, that we're producing people all over this nation that are robots and they are mimics of what they see up here. They don't dig because we don't dig. They don't press because we don't press. They don't push because we don't push. Get up underneath that call and get up underneath that mantle that you call yourself pastor, apostle, prophet, my God, whatever else. And birth something. Birth something. Birth something. Stop copying. Stop copying. Stop prostituting. Birth something. Birth something. And then keep birthing something. Keep birthing something. I'll get to that in a moment. Here we go. The disciples had become, here we go, watch out. The word that some of you hate, especially on Sunday morning people, familiar with. They had become familiar with Jesus going off to pray. They had become familiar with Jesus going off to pray. Jesus, you you read this Bible, Jesus did this often. Matter of fact, we probably don't even know how often Jesus did it. He just said he often went off to pray on mountains, in the desert lonely places. He'd stay all night long, sometimes pray. They were used to Jesus praying. They were used to Jesus praying. They were used to Jesus praying. And they're like, oh, well, Jesus is going to pray again. And because they were used to the protocol, they missed a moment that led to an hour that history hinged on. In the garden, Jesus entered, that I can see, a posture of prayer 
that had not yet been seen by the disciples as we know it in the Gospels. Because why? Jesus knew the hour was at hand. No doubt if they had seen or heard this prayer, it would have changed future circumstances for them. Are you with me? But they missed out because they just assumed how it was going to end. In case you don't know the Bible and what happens after this, is that when Jesus gets through going back and praying three times, Judas comes, the soldiers come, they arrest him, and he is crucified. Jesus knew the hour was at hand. But see, they had already figured out and predetermined how this prayer time was going to end. They assumed they had seen it all, and they said, oh, Jesus is going to pray again. If you're so familiar with, quote, Jesus and his prayer protocol, if you're so familiar with revival that you have lost discernment to know the hour, then you've just settled into a religious, comfortable, and a very dangerous place because discernment is compromised in the place of familiarity. Discernment is compromised in the place of familiarity. The moment that we settle in is, ah, I know how this is going to turn out. Ah, I know how this is going to end. Oh, I know where they're going in praise and worship. Oh, I know because I'm a know-it-all. I just said that for all the know-it-alls. The entire atmosphere at Gethsemane should have been deserved. Watch this. Because Jesus had already told them that the hour was coming. He modeled and he preached and taught them how to be ready. But due to familiarity with past protocol, they missed a moment that history hinged on. Are you with me? The soldiers and Judas approached, yet we know at least Peter didn't have the discernment to understand what was happening. How do we know? Because he cut off an ear. Come on, somebody. He denied Jesus three times and he went and he hid in a house. Can I get some help up in this place today? This is what happens when you're sleepy and you're resting. I have an assignment. I have an assignment to provoke every single religious demon oh, that I can provoke. You cannot sit in passivity and expect for the blessing and the mantle and the call of God to follow you, my friend, shake yourself. The hour is at hand. Shake yourself. Shake yourself, Sunday morning. Presuming, taking for granted, concluding that something's going to just be like this. cannot walk through these doors. We cannot come to a prayer meeting. We cannot come to a doorkeeper of revival weekend. I know what's going to happen. You know what? You're one of the ones that we fight up in the atmosphere every time. Hear me now. 
I know what's going to happen. We come in. We come in with a posture of agony, a posture. I'm talking about in the spirit realm. Saying, God, what do you need us to birth this month? What do you need us to birth this week? What do you need us? The will of the Father, not my will. Are we shaken enough at the hour at hand that we are free from familiarity? We're comfortable because familiarity is predictable. It's predictable. That's why there are tens of thousands of churches today that are predictable. And tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of people go to those churches because they know exactly what time they're going to get out. They know they will not be pushed very hard. They know, they know, they know. And when they get out, there's going to be a snack. We did our our revival, first revival live for pastors and leaders this Friday. And we took questions and answers questions uh, at the end. And when we were warming up, our staff had a a TV up here. We were warming up to get the, the live going. And um, um, just as so we could see how the questions would come up. And the question that the staff wanted us to answer was, how do you get through a four-hour service without going to potty? (laughs) That was David. Pastor David wants the credit for that, right? (laughs) How do you get through a four-hour service without going to potty? There's some pastors and leaders and churches that that thought would not even dare into their mind. After four hours, they've already had 10 services. Come on, somebody. This deep. You say you're pretty hard on it, Pastor. I sure am. I sure am. Because we've learned how to manufacture things in the body of Christ. We just manufacture things. And you know why we manufacture things? It's because we haven't been to Gethsemane to birth anything. And God is calling the church in this nation. He's calling all types, all people groups, all faiths. He's saying it is time. Oh, the hour is at hand. It's time to get back to Gethsemane. So in this room, if you're part of a company of people that says, I will birth the will of the Father. (laughs) They just assumed that Gethsemane was like all the other prayer times that Jesus had. God is calling us. It's not like all the other feel comfortable and popular. The hour demands that we awake and be alert. Three times, three times Jesus comes out to ask them to pray with him and three times they were sleeping and resting. Jesus was not inviting them to a small group prayer. Come on, somebody. Based off of past needs, Jesus was summoning them. That's what I feel in my spirit for this hour that we're in. In our nation for sure, as the church in this nation. Jesus was summoning them to travailing birthing prayer, to birth something for the hour at hand. And it's astounding after all that the disciples saw up to this point, the miracles, the deliverances, the confrontations with religion, the many teachings, the fellowship, the partnership they'd had with Jesus for three years, all this. Everybody say all this. this. 
And after three times of summoning them, they sleep on during an hour that history was going to look back to. You see, familiarity brings a laziness and compromise of the greater. That's a powerful statement. In the atmosphere of familiarity, there's not any need for urgency or alertness because I already got it figured out. I've already concluded how this is going to turn out. But Jesus knew that the hour was at hand and that history hinged on this hour. So he was calling for some backup, y'all. Come on. I'm calling for some backup today. Come on. Jesus is calling for some backup. Come on, revival family. The same is true in this hour. Three times he asked them and three times he returned alone to a garden where he would pray a prayer of complete selflessness. If there was one thing that these three and the 12 that were even further off needed to hear, it was this one, not my will. Come on, not my will. He told Peter after the first return and exposure of their sleeping in the moment, he said, could you not tarry one hour, Peter? Watch and pray so that you don't enter into temptation. This speaks to me that as the hour, the hour that is upon us is here, we must be in great Gethsemane garden prayer to avoid deceptive temptations that lure us away from the intended outcome of the moment. Familiarity tells us that we can handle the moment. It's like all the rest. And before we know it, temptation has us on the other side of the garden just resting. And after everything starts hitting the fan, our responses are to cut off ears and to run and to hide. God says, I got to cultivate some Gethsemane proven people who know how to stand up in the times of intense pressure and pain because they've already been through it in the garden of anguish. The next verse said that Jesus returns and he finds them sleepy and their eyes were heavy. Hmm. Matthew 6, says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body is full of darkness. Their eyes were heavy. I said their eyes were heavy. The, the, the eyes speak of discernment, my God, perception and paradigms. And eyes speak of pointing uh, towards seeing purpose. When the eyes are heavy, it means that you cannot keep them open. Are you with me today? It means that you cannot keep them open. And isn't that exactly what the enemy wants to do in 2022? when the hour is at hand is to make our eyes heavy because he knows that the eye is the lamp of the body and he understands that this is where discernment comes from and perception comes from I tell us today lift up your eyes are you with me lift up your eyes lift up your eyes lift up your eyes get your eyes off the temporal get your eyes off of things that are feeding you right now shut some things down shut some people off and I'm not even talking about uh, angry family members or sinners I'm talking about people that you watch on YouTube and you watch online get up in your garden prayer of Gethsemane and say oh God I will tarry 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 until I see what you need me to see until I hear and I know what you need me to hear and know garden prayer 
If they had followed Jesus' instructions, y'all, they would have experienced a, gl- a, gl- a, gl- a glimpse into the gripping exchange of heart, passion, and purity in travailing prayer that they had not seen. My God, my God, my God. The Father still needs channels of travail to release his purposes that wait in the wings of heaven's realm. But it takes those with eyes wide open who can see beyond who can see beyond their small world. Are you with me? They can see beyond what is familiar. They can see beyond what their past protocol was. And they can lift up their eyes and understand it's a different protocol now because the hour is at hand. Hmm. Last week I stood up here. And I said, we will this year birth the unseen, the unknown, and the unheard. You say, what is that, Pastor Kim? I don't know. It's never been seen, known, or heard. But Gethsemane is where it's unlocked. Travail, anguish, agony, birthing prayer. We got to see beyond our current level of understanding to a God that has a vast storehouse of his glory to be poured out. And y'all listen, we don't birth this for our benefit. We birth it because the hour is at hand. Everything that Jesus did was for that hour that we're reading about. Everything that Jesus did. Gethsemane, death of self before the hour of glorification or fruitfulness. Death to self. This is a super exciting sermon today. Come on. I truly sense that we, the church, capital C, are at a Gethsemane choice moment. We will choose to birth for the harvest and the hour at hand. Sticky note number two. Or we will continue in our comfortable, familiar processes that are more about self than serving his kingdom. God is calling us out of the boardrooms into the birthing rooms. History hinges on what we do in 2022. Jesus answered them saying, John 12, the hour is at hand. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you that unless a grain of wheat falls, we don't even like to fall, much less die. Unless it falls into the earth and die, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Gethsemane is a place of death to self before the fruitfulness, the glorification. Why is God speaking this after seven years in revival? Because there's some more to birth. There's people not sitting here today because they got tired of birthing. So those of you who have freshly joined us at Fresh Start, 
you better learn birthing. We'll come and we'll let you sit and enjoy for a minute. And then you better get in that birthing posture in prayer. Because there's a harvest that's waiting on it. Jesus, this grain of wheat, which was Jesus, was pregnant with the purpose of God. But that grain of wheat, Jesus had to fall and die before it could be fruitful, before it was glorified. See, Jesus' death, one person has said, was really his hour of glorification. Not as a martyr, but as the source of all life. I ask us today, Revival Family, church in this nation, to what extent are we willing to die to our own selfishness so that God's purposes can live? Agendas, preferences, comfort, self-exaltation. The Gethsemane prayer is the only prayer that can accomplish that. I believe in many types of, several types of intercession. I do, and we, we practice them here. But the Lord is having us focus on the garden of anguish, the garden of travail. Gethsemane means olive press. And olives, when they were, pre, pre, when they were pressed or prepared, they went through, watch this, three pressings. Jesus went three times. Olives go through three pressings to remove every ounce of oil. Jesus came back. They were sleeping. Jesus cries out the same prayer, not my will, your will be done. Until finally he declares, the hour is at hand. Are you with me? Gethsemane was a time of submission. Garden prayed, anguish, unedited, raw, desperate. No one is exempt. No one is exempt. No one is exempt. No age limits. Our children know how to do Gethsemane pray. And get this one, no gender preferences. It's not just the women that really know how to birth. No personality exemptions. Well, I'm just not that loud. Well, that's just not me. Uh, is that what you're going to say to Jesus when you stand before it? It's just not me? Come on. Every revivalist must learn Gethsemane, must learn birthing prayer, the travail of the soul. Isaiah 53, 11, he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. Say that loudly. He shall see the labor of his soul and shall be satisfied. Luke twenty two forty four. I will read it. We read it in the beginning and being in agony. This is Jesus. He was praying how very what? fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling upon the ground hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 in the days of his flesh jesus offered up both prayers and supplication with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverence that's jesus romans 8 in the same way the spirit also helps our weaknesses for we do not know how to pray as we should but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings, groanings and utterances that are too deep for words. And he who searches the heart
hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. James chapter 5, verse 16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The fervent prayer. The fervent prayer. Can I take you? Can I take you before we close this out and come to this altar for a time of literal, literal pouring out of our soul to the Lord? That travail is an anguishing and an agony of our mind and our will and our emotions. It literally touches our human person. It means to labor hard. Nudge your neighbor and say it's laboring hard in the spirit. Come on, fresh start to toil, to anguish. I know this doesn't sound fun. Some of you, it would have been maybe appropriate to teach you on how to make a secret place and how to make time to pray every single day. We ain't got time for that. Come on, y'all. We got to get in the prayer closet. I said, we got to get in the prayer closet. I came to preach up to you today. Even those of you who have been with us for five, six, seven, ten, twenty years, you got to find a place of prayer because God is saying, we can't play in this thing any longer. Time is winding up and the hour is at hand. I need a company of people that don't just go to church, but they know how to birth the will of the Father. Somebody listen to me right now. You got to quit playing with your spiritual disciplines. You got to quit negotiating and saying, oh, Jesus understands. Jesus does not understand. He gave you exactly what you are to do in your spiritual disciplines. So get your flesh to the side. Get up at 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning and begin to cry out to God. I don't know what to say, Pastor Kim. You just start talking to God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Jesus, I praise you. And then if you don't know what to say, pray in the Holy Ghost. Whatever you have to do, you've got to make time to pray. Because God doesn't want to leave you at one stage. He wants to grow you. He's got a road that he has us on. And on that road is a place called Gethsemane. Travail. There is a sound of travail in this house. There is a sound of travail. But it needs to get great. Because there's more things to birth over life. It breaks something in the spirit so that the answer is birth. Breakthroughs, destinies, revivals, awakenings. They await a travailing prayer to unlock them. I was reminded of Gina's dream, Gina Golston's dream about the mantle of revival. My husband and I were in that dream. And Evan Roberts looks at us and he says, I carried this mantle from my time. Now it's your time to carry it. As I was preparing this message, I was reminded of that, of that phrase in the dream because she knew it was Evan Roberts that was speaking to us. 
And I read here recently that Evan <clears throat> and his brother, I don't know if it was a younger or older brother, they had to share a bedroom. They were very, very poor. And his brother is documented as saying that he, Evan would keep him awake all night praying. And he said Evan didn't even know he was actually sleeping. But in his sleep, he would rise and groan in the spirit all night long. This is before the Welsh revival broke out. In his sleep, in the spirit, he would writhe and groan all night, keeping his brother awake. Evan Roberts birthed the Welsh revival. I say, fresh start. Now it's our time. The labor of the soul. The labor of the soul. Travailing prayer is a type of intercession that touches and emanates from the mind and the will and the emotions and you're gripped by a fervency to see something of God birth and manifest and change or shift or align in the earth. Can I tell us that without this travailing Gethsemane garden prayer, nothing of God's realm will be birthed. Come on. This type of prayer isn't easy because it touches the soul so deeply. The most painful part of prayer. The Bible says Jesus was in agony of soul because the reality of what God needed to establish gripped his human emotions and his mental thought processes so deeply that his physical body as it sweat began to bleed. This is travail. Do I have to bleed when I pray? I'm not telling you have to bleed when you pray. If it happens, it happens. But here's what I'm saying. We must get in that posture. We must get in that posture in the spirit. We must allow the spirit to do a deep work of intercession in us as we move into the hour at hand, referring again to the sleepy posture of the disciples, we've unfortunately lost the gripping travail because we fabricate things and we no longer need to birth. Look, things born of the Spirit requires a burden and an agony, but things born of the flesh only comes from our ambitions. I say once again, as fervently, as loudly, as tenaciously and directly that I can. 2022, the hour is at hand. God needs birthers, those who will keep praying until something breaks in Washington, D.C., until something breaks in your school board, until something breaks in Phoenix, Arizona. God needs birthers, those who will keep praying until it is birthed. Oh, but the sad state of the church is we can only give God just a moment of our time and we don't even consider entering the garden. We just stay outside on the edge of sleeping. Our personal level, on a personal level, so I told the ladies the other day, there are many times, if not all, that your personal breakthrough can bring a national breakthrough. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> Ask Hannah. Help me, y'all. She was unable able to produce a child, and the Bible says she was in bitterness of soul. I'm going to help you today. The Bible says she was in bitterness of soul. Help us, Lord. Help us get this. She couldn't have the destiny that she knew belonged to her, so she was in bitterness of soul. She was in anguish of soul. She was in anguish of soul. This pain and bitterness reached into her mind. It reached into her emotions. It was in her thought processes. It was in her will. This bitterness of soul, her prayer as she went before God to have a child was passionate. The Bible says that she wept 
wept bitterly. And the Bible, I mean, and it's, I, I'm leaving out a lot of the story, but the, 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 she wept so in such an inordinate manner that the priest asked her if she was drunk. Come on, somebody. She was that given to getting the answer in prayer. She was that much uh, taken over by the travail and by the anguish and the bitterness of soul that somebody actually thought she was drunk. My God, are you getting this? And Hannah, the Bible says, got up from the altar, got up from her prayer time, and the Bible says that she knew that something had changed. Can we pray until we pray through, as the old timers said? Can we pray until we know that something has shifted in the White House? Something has shifted in the halls of Congress. Something has shifted in the heart of that prodigal. Something has shifted. Oh, something has shifted in my finances. Something has shifted in this revival. Can we pray or will we be like the disciples? It's just going to be like it's always been. I say, God, raise up a company of birthers. A company of birthers that understand there are things that are unseen, unknown, unheard that you need us to pull. Child in this place. Hannah burst Samuel. Samuel changed the course of Israel's future. She birthed a national breakthrough. She birthed a national breakthrough. Samuel anointed David. David, in the lineage of Jesus Christ, travailing Gethsemane garden prayer produces change. Daniel engaged for 21 days and God sent a special messenger angel to bring direction, to make critical decisions, to produce the accurate change that was needed. His first response was not to go to wikipedia.com. His first response was not to turn on Dr. Oz and Dr. Blah and blah, blah, blah and blah, blah, blah. His first response was to fast and to pray for 21 days. And because of that, God sent an angel that brought the message from heaven and said, this is what you do. But the story tells us that if he had stopped praying, that the enemy would have kept the answer from breaking forth. Do I have any birthers that say we've got to have God's voice? Elijah. You just say standing because you're going to stand in a minute. He was a man like us. A human like us. You know, the Bible says he prayed and it didn't rain. And then he prayed and it did rain. And the verse right before that says the effectual, fervent prayer Fervent prayer, effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, say it with me, avails much. And then it tells us now, Elijah was a man, human, flesh and blood, just like you and me. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. He prayed that it rain. 
and it didn't rain when he first prayed. And the servant, bless him, bless the servant. No, he had to climb a mountain every time. However many times he did that, seven, right? And he come back and he said, sir, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Elijah, look, all that praying. He, 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 Bible says he put his, his face between his knees. But down, he's a birthing posture. A birthing posture. Elijah, a man. Birthing posture. The seventh time, the seventh time, he birthed a cloud the size of a man's hand. Elijah birthed a cloud that was very small but it brought a downpour. You look at me, don't you ignore that small little detail. That small little detail. Because the enemy is wanting you to look, well obviously God's wanting you to look at the greater, but the enemy is just saying, oh it's not working, it's not working, it's not working, it's not working, it's not working. It's not working. God says, keep going. Jesus says, will you tarry? Jesus says, will you tarry for that prodigal? I'm landing the plane right now for that breakthrough, for that healing, for our nation, for our government, for everything that's going on around us. There are so many people riddled in fear right now. I'm seriously still shocked after two years. Come on, somebody. I mean, I'm just like, I shake my head. Just walk through the stores. Just like, oh, Lord have mercy. And you want to lay hands on them, but, you know. I'm just shocked. Do we believe that a travailing Gethsemane moment at the hour that God has brought us to can literally shift and everything following this will point back to that moment. And the world may not know what to call it. Are you with me? Because the world doesn't know what Jesus, they don't know what to call what Jesus did in the garden. But what they do know, is that when they're broken and hurting, come on, when they are, when their life is in a mess, when their marriage and their family is all messed up, what they do know is they do know they can run to the foot of a cross, come on, in the spirit, and they can confess their sins, and they can pour their heart out, and somehow, cause somehow, healing comes into their life. You see, what Jesus did, everything looks bad to that moment and prophetically the Lord is saying to his church this is the hour it is at hand can you step up in a place and a posture of birthing intercession and as Reese Howe says in his book
put the intercessors, not just praying for them, but stepping in to their life and praying as if you were them, associating with them, agonizing with them. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I'm teaching you right now. Don't miss what I'm about to say. We are very good at praying for people and praying for revival and praying for this situation. But can we take on the posture now to where we're not just praying for something or someone, but we're praying as someone. We are stepping into their mess in the spirit realm. We are becoming how, how, how. We are becoming what they have become in the spirit. And we're feeling the pain and we're feeling the rejection and we're feeling the mess. And God says, it is at that point that I can shift things. Because it's not until you get to that place, he says in the book, The Intercessor, that you will have gained the authority to push that through. We have an amazing prayer army in this place. We not only have a decibel in the natural, but we have a decibel in the spirit. Are you with me? But there is an urgency. And the Lord put me in front of this congregation today. To say, are you still sleeping and are you still resting? If you're new to this house, you get no sleep and you get no rest. Now listen, I'm not talking about in the natural. I'm talking about in the spirit. You get no sleep. It never plateaus. If it plateaus, I get up here and start screaming like a wild woman. This is how you sustain revival. Almost done. Come worship team. There's a place that you reach in the spirit at Gethsemane that your nominal praying will not take you to. Please don't miss that. There's a place that you reach in the spirit in Gethsemane praying. The oil press. That nominal praying. And by no means am I belittling any type of prayer. I'm just saying that as you grow and as you grow in revival... There has to come greater levels of prayer. Come on. If we want to see what we sing about, help me. Help me, help me, help me. Then we do, we've got to do the difficult work of labor, anguish, pushing forth in the spirit. Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, he said, because here's the thing. Birthing not only releases the new, it re- it continuously releases the things that God has for us personally and corporately. Apostle Paul said, children with whom I am again, everybody say again, in labor until Christ is formed in you. His prayers had birthed him into the kingdom, but now he was laboring for them to mature. I ask us, how long are we willing to stick with this? Come on, revivalists. This is a selfless prayer. It's not something that we muster up, but it's something that we make ourselves available for. I'm going to say that again. Travailing prayer is not something that we muster up. You know what I'm saying? But it's something we make ourselves available for. And what I have found is that the more often that I make myself available for it, 
the, more often the visitation of the Spirit to use me as a vehicle of travail in the Spirit. We make ourselves available for it. There's a constant wooing of the Spirit to this posture of prayer. Why? Because the hour is at hand. I said, the hour is at hand. I said, the hour is at hand. So God is asking His church today, not only in this building, but across this nation. Will someone embrace this burden-bearing, Gethsemane, birthing, praying, and stay there until you know something has changed. Stay there until you know Christ is formed. Stay there until you know that something has shifted in the spirit realm. I told the ladies last Saturday, carve out a, a moment of time where there is no beginning and no ending. Come on. I know we all have schedules. I know we all have things that we have to do. But let's, how about revivalists? Come on, revivalists. How about let's just find that place and that time where there's not a beginning and there's not an end. Where we don't just check off our boxes of, oh, I read my whatever today. And, oh, I did this. And those things are fine. Praying that way is fine. But God says it's time to birth some things. Why? Because the hour is at hand. It's time to birth. It's time to birth another level in this revival. It's time to see the travail of the soul. Are you with me in this place? The Bible says it was for joy set before him that he endured the cross. I tell you that on the other side of Gethsemane is joy. Are you with me? On the other side of Gethsemane is joy. On the other side of the birthing is joy. On the other side of the anguish is joy. The Bible says that a, a woman in the natural, she, when bearing a child, there is pain and there is anguish. But when she holds that child, she forgets about the pain and she forgets about the anguish come on somebody we got to grow up in the body of Christ you better get ready to run to this altar we got to grow up in the body of Christ we got to just quit patty caking and we got to tell God God I will do the hard work I will do the hard work not just because not just because this or because that I want to do the hard work of travail because I want the will of the father not just in my life but in the life of my children in the life of my family, in the life of my nation, in the life of this revival. Somebody run to this altar right now. Lift up your hands because the Bible says as soon as science revealed, she brought forth her children. It's time to go to Gethsemane. It's time to go to Gethsemane. Lift up your hands and open up your mouth. Begin to cry out in this room. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh We cry out on your behalf, oh Lord. Oh, let your will be done. 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 Come on, cry out.
I want you to repent of any sleeping and resting. Come on, I'm going to pull on you now. I'm going to pull on you now. I'm going to push some buttons right now. Because God is serious about this thing. The hour is at hand. 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 Let God do something on the inside of you right now. Let God take you to Gethsemane right now. Come on, you need to forget about your makeup. You need to forget about your posture. Some of you need to do what Sam said at the beginning of this service. You need to get out of the stinking seat that you are so to. And you need to get down here in the altar and begin to travail. You say, Pastor Kim, that's hard. Yes, it's hard because you'll never learn it if you're in the same place that you stay in all the time. I said you'll never learn it unless if you're in the same place that you stay in all the time. God says, let it be shaken inside of you today. If there's a confrontation up in this, then so be it. If we're going to burst something, we have to know it will not be comfortable. Let God wreck you this morning. Let God wreck you this morning. 
everybody out top, I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands. That means ushers and everybody. I'm not going to lay hands on anybody right now. Begin to cry out in this room. Bring it down. Bring it down. There's a birthing for the birthing. Let him take you in the garden. Follow Jesus in the garden today. The garden of Gethsemane, the oil pressing. Do it, Holy Ghost. Do it, Holy Ghost. As soon as Zion travails, she brought forth her children. As soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. As soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. It was for the joy that was set before him that he endured it. I will labor in prayer until I will labor in prayer until I feel something has changed I feel something has shifted My God Speak Lord Speak Lord Speak Lord I will labor until Oh God I will labor until Oh God Speak Holy Ghost Pray, pray, Holy Ghost, pray, pray, Holy Ghost, pray, pray, Holy Ghost. Lord, we shake off lethargy, we shake off familiarity, we shake off familiarity. Come on, revivalist, come on, revivalist, we shake off familiarity because Gethsemane is calling us. We shake off predictability because Gethsemane is calling us. Gethsemane is calling us. Oh God, we refuse, oh Lord, even in this nation that we live in to become accustomed to hearing the things that we know go against your word. We will not become familiar because Gethsemane is calling us to birth on behalf of your will. Pray, 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 pray. Let him put it on the inside of you. We make ourselves available, oh God, to birth. Because the hour is at hand. The hour is at hand. The hour is at hand. We are at a Gethsemane choice. Will you stay outside or will you go in and travail? Birth the will of the Father. The hour is at hand. 
Take a shikato yeshe, shikato la bekiste, shira baba baho yanda la ba, roba baba baba shiri di yanda la mashe, roba baba baba kuchoro boshoto, rebe beshe take, hanana shuda la mad, hanana mashika, oh ye take, oh ye take shike, isha la la bokuta, shuda la 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 boshikata. Shuda la 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 bakota, shata la la bakota la ba, sida la 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 bakota, droba ba 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 shikete. He shall see the travail of his soul. We will see the travail of our soul. We will see the anguish and the agony of our soul. We will see the fruit of what we pray. We will see, we will see that which has been locked up in God's realm and He is waiting on a birther. We will see that. We will see that. We choose. We choose Gethsemane. We choose to birth it for you, God. My God. My God, hear the word of the Lord. I don't know if this is for somebody in the room or if this will be for someone online or who will watch online. Don't try to walk in something that you have not birthed. Don't try to walk in something. Don't try to carry something that you have not birthed. Every one of those disciples eventually had to find their way to Gethsemane. Who knows but that they may have gone back to the very spot. God would bring each of them to their own moment and hour. He would use them to lead others into uncharted waters. The unseen, the unknown, the unheard at that time. For the sake of His kingdom. They knew God knew they could not navigate it without Gethsemane. If we do anything of kingdom significance, the road will take us through Gethsemane, fresh start. Don't be like Judas and make it to Gethsemane through the wrong motives. I'm prophesying right now. Don't be like Judas and make it to Gethsemane with the wrong motives. It never ends well. Don't try to walk in something that you haven't birthed. Each of us must learn the atmosphere of Gethsemane. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 9 verse 4, the Lord said, Go through the city and mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all of the abominations which are being committed in its midst. That shows me that God does single out those. God does, He does see if we do or do not pass through Gethsemane. Put a mark on their forehead, the ones who will groan and sigh and cry out on behalf of all of the abominations that are being committed in the midst. God says, mark them, mark them. Mark them. I stand, my husband and I, amidst a group of people who are amazing. 
Many of you have followed us in this journey well before revival, but even since revival breaking out. But I want to say, especially to you, do not become familiar. Do not become familiar. You must grow with revival or revival will outgrow you. Must grow. I say to those of you who are newly joining us and you've been attracted here. Some of you move from places all over the nation to come here because of what you see and what you heard. But the price to get to where we are was a trip through Gethsemane. And the price to where God needs to take us is a trip through Gethsemane. It will test every measure of your flesh. Every measure of your flesh. It will touch your thought processes, your emotions. Your will will be screaming. I don't want to be that committed. I don't want to feel like that. I don't want. I'm telling you, I know that I know the Lord said, tell them the hour is at hand. The hour is at hand. This moment is a marking moment. God says, Rosha Bahasu Tekete, Maga. Forehead. A couple of weeks ago, I was on a, a call thing, an online thing, with a couple other prophets, and Bishop Bill Hammond was one of them, four other prophets, and he was one of them. One of the things that he said, you listen to me, was this. He said, this will be a year of reckoning, of the settling of the accounts. As Jesus gave the parable of the talents, and he handed out the talents, each one had a reckoning. They had to settle on what had been given to them. Are you with me? What had been given to them was a measure of authority and a measure of ability. And what Jesus said was the Father is giving this to you so that you can grow this. Come on, somebody. So that you can grow this. Fresh Start Revivalists, He has given us where we are to this point so we can now go to Gethsemane and grow this. If you're on the fringes, if you're just a Sunday morning person, yeah, I expected it to get really quiet on Sunday morning. You know, my husband said recently when I, we, were, we were talking about that, because we say that phrase a lot on Sunday morning. He said, dear, can I say this? Because I've already started. I'm in it now to win it. He said, if you don't say that, they will never, ever think about that Sunday is the only time that they come. Quote Pastor Paul Owens. I love you. But the hour is at hand. I'm very, very, very busy, Pastor Kim. The hour is at hand. We don't birth it for us. We birth it for the will of the Father. We birth it for the sake of a harvest that is yet to be seen. We birth it the unseen, the unknown, the unheard, that we have no definition for, no scope of understanding. 
we must go to Gethsemane. It is not something that we muster up. It is something that we make ourselves available for. Many times this type of praying happens in a private setting more easily than a corporate setting. But you hear me. When we walked in this place on Wednesday night, Last Wednesday night, from the first note that they hit and note song that they sung, there was a spirit of intercession in this place. And we were moving without any prompting. This is to fill all of you in that weren't here. Without prompting into a place of intercession. And I'm standing down there as I always am, getting ready to walk up here. And I'm like, my God, all I have to do just walk up there and just keep just praying tongues you hear me something was moving in the spirit I get up here on this stage right here and my microphone would not work Jessica hands me her microphone it would not work oh there was something coming out but it was like abnormal up in here we were like this Everything internally and externally on the airwaves crashed at that moment because there's a sound of travail that a nation needs to hear. I don't know what you do on Wednesday night if you're not here. If you have to work, we fully understand that. But if you're at home watching us online, you need to get yourself here. Why would you want to do that? Why would you just want to stay at home when you can be in this atmosphere? I'll tell you why. Are you still sleeping? The hour is at hand. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.